Hey everybody, it's Alexander Dahl with Manifest Vitality once again. Uh, today I have another interview. Um, so once again, we're just going to not waste time and get straight into that. All right. Alright, so I'm on the phone with Dan Anderson. He's one of the musicians uh, that reached out to me about the interview project. And so I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hi, uh, my name is Dan Anderson. Uh, so I am also a music teacher during the daytime. But uh, I play with the new funk group uh, Honey Bear. I do saxophone and then I do vocals with that group. And then I'm also a solo acoustic musician. And I call that project Big Spooky. And I just started that recently as well. Awesome. So when you were growing up, kind of what, what kind of uh, stood out to you about music? And what were some of the things that really made you kind of realize that that's what you wanted to do with your life? I think it was somewhere in like first grade that my parents ended up taking me to like a high school orchestra concert. And I saw the violin section and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. So I remember asking my parents if I could take violin lessons because the mm -hmm. school only started in fourth grade. And they were like, no, no, no. But I kept asking. Mm -hmm. And they found a way to get me some lessons when I was in second grade. So I actually started violin uh, when I was in second grade. Um, oh, and wow, then, you know, cool. and then, you know, as I was growing up, you know, uh, Fifth grade was when band started, so I started playing the saxophone in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Sixth grade is when they started doing choir, so then I was in choir, you know. So I was in band, choir, orchestra, you know, through high school, uh, you know, and I went to college for both. Well, in high school, I quit the violin and I changed the bass, okay. uh, and I ended up going to college for both bass and saxophone and music education, and, you know, I had bands while I was there, and I was a classical performer and yeah, I mean, I've just done, I've done music since I've been able to, I guess. Yeah, that's very cool. Starting to play violin at the age of, or in second grade, I think you said that's uh, pretty impressive. Um, so while you were kind of on that journey of kind of learning how to play instruments, uh, and it sounds like you have a pretty extensive concert band background. Um, at what point did you kind of start to realize that, you know, music education and concert band was just one of the forks of, you know, the musical journey that you could go on? So you also started doing like your solo stuff. Uh, so I guess when I knew I kind of wanted to do music and such forever, uh, I think I was in, it was pretty late in high school. I always thought I was going to go to school to be like, a lawyer or something like that people you know somebody that can something that people consider like a real career mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. a very stereotypical like narrow-minded way sure um and i remember visiting a law class and i was like man this blows this sucks this isn't, <laughs> it's boring like it wasn't fun and like i wasn't you know i was a really good student you know not to be egotistical about it mm -hmm. but like i didn't like school that much sure you know like i did really well because i had teachers for parents and you know, everybody tells you if you want to be successful, you got to do well in school. Sure. So that that kind of was the only reason. And the only thing I really liked going to school for was that middle of the day when I did band and choir and orchestra classes and I got to take music theory at some point. And, you know, I was just kind of like sold. I was kind of like, you know, I should do this. And I didn't get, uh, you know, my family was very supportive of it. So, you know, it wasn't like I got resistance from them it was kind of like if you can pay your way through school 
then do it. Sure. So uh, along those paths, um, obviously getting you know into teaching everything, that's somewhat self-explanatory. Uh, how did you go about the process of kind of establishing your solo stuff and start writing and then looking for band members? You said you have two projects. So uh, describe some of what like the uh, you know obstacles of getting that project of those projects started. Oh well, I mean, first off, for Honey Bear, uh, you know, finding like-minded jazz funk musicians that can really keep up and play, uh, you know, was kind of the difficulty there. It took us, it took me and, uh, my, my friend from college who started the group with me, uh, his name is Dan Abel. Uh, it took us a while to find the right pieces for that group, really, you know, finding, finding a bass player and a drummer that can keep up, you know, we, we write out charts because that's the way we were taught, you know? So it's not like mm -hmm. we do anything exclusively by ear, you know, it's so finding musicians that can keep up with that and do some, you know, really difficult stuff. We're talking, uh, some newer jazz, some newer funk and avant-garde stuff, but we're also talking about, uh, classic funk, like, you know, Herbie Hancock, you know, Wayne Shorter, you know, Freddie Hubbard, you know, stuff that is, built into the jazz vocabulary as mm -hmm. the pinnacle of funk at the time. Um, and then being able to have somebody where you can say, well, I want to do it differently than how it's been done before. So, I mean, it took years to put together the project in the right way, have the right pieces, the fit to it and be able to gel together uh, and you know, we were doing pretty well. We had some gigs set up, but you know, the pandemic hits everybody a little bit different. So, mm. you know, lots of venues not able to play at, you know, not being able to meet with each other for things. So, I mean, we, right. we've kept up, you know, we keep up on our own individual practices, you know, writing things like that. It gave me a lot of time to really sit down and write more. Um, but you know, I just, I just write what I like, you know, I was taught how to do chord progressions. I was taught how to do you know, you know, one, four, five, one, you know, typical stuff, mm -hmm. uh, and how they function and work. But I mean, you know, if that doesn't sound cool or hip to me, you know, I'm going to write it different. So of course I'd say for my writing journey, it's kind of just, you know, what, what, what feels good. Sure. Like if those chords hit right, they feel good. And then that's, you know, how to write it. So to backtrack a little and, um, yeah. You uh, obviously mentioned how the virus has kind of shut things down. Uh, that's uh, pretty common amongst everybody that I talk to that that's a major issue. Um, what is your perspective on how to do like distance learning as a music educator? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I think one of the big things is, you know, I think it's focusing on asynchronous learning for schools and i feel like it, it should be distance you know we're talking about a lot of vulnerable populations that could still be affected by mm -hmm. you know the virus like it's not it's not fake news it's not fake science you know mm -hmm. it's it's a real it's a real issue still so being able to prevent the spread and prevent it to families and such is a big important thing and i just think you know it's you know it's it's one of those things where it's time to just kind of hunker down and really adapt to the situation at hand. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk of, you know, trying to perform in groups and in person. And I'm not telling anybody how to teach for me. I think that the focus should be on asynchronous learning at home digitally 
help kids kind of grow at their pace, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, design materials that are adaptable and flexible, especially on time, you know, giving kids time. Cause I mean, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, a kindergartner or a senior in high school, we don't know their family situations, their home situations all the time Mm -hmm. and what could be going on in their lives. You know, that kindergartner might be getting babysat by their eighth grade older brother while their parents are still at work. You know, they might not be able to do their homework, either one of them at the exact same time that everybody else at school can. So, you know, it's, it's just about distance learning to me is about being flexible and keeping, you know, the big things in mind about what school is for, you know, helping kids grow, mm-hmm. helping kids learn, and then also helping kids like adapt. Sure. And if there's and, ever a time to adapt, it's now. And I assume what you mean by asynchronous learning is like uh, teaching one student at a time sort of thing and not doing like a group of them at a time. Kind of, yeah. So I mean like creating assignments that students can do at their pace, mm-hmm. at their own time, rather than putting them all in like a Zoom or a Google Meet. Gotcha. But you know, some, you know, some that needs to be done as well in some cases, you know, too. You know, so, kids need to be able to interact with each other. So I assume in your district, uh, your concert band schedule would normally be something along the lines of, you know, you have like a spring concert and then a fall concert sort of thing. How has uh, like the distance learning impacted those sorts of events? I assume they're not going on. Well, so, I mean, we've talked about some various things to do. So, you know, there's the uh, students can record themselves separately and then put it together in like a virtual concert kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've also talked about, you know, small group recitals small group performances, individual performances, you know, uh, different ways to allow kids to still be a performer without, you know, focusing so much on it, having to be in a group, in a concert hall, playing this, you know, like still giving them opportunities to perform, but just adapting it in ways that they can do it successfully while still in distance learning. Sure. Um, awesome. So let's, let's go back to like honey bear and big spooky. Uh, so when you're yeah. kind of putting those bands together are, uh, particularly honey bear, cause I listened to a few of those tracks and they're really good. They do have that nice kind of, uh, like kind of acid jazz kind of vibe to them. Um, how did you kind of uh, decide that that was the, uh, tonality and voice of music that you wanted to make? Uh, so, you know, I was in jazz band since middle school when they had a jazz band. Um, so I've always been doing jazz and I always felt like I never really did the jazz that I loved and enjoyed. Um, you know, we do a lot of swing charts or we do a lot of like corny kind of funk tones when I was in high school and stuff. And when I was in college, um, because of my commitment to both uh, the concert band and the orchestra, I wasn't always able to be in jazz band, Mm -hmm. but you know, listening to jazz, I really grew to love artists that were sometimes not considered, uh, how you'd say maybe the standards or maybe that did things differently. You know, I very much, uh, I very much attached myself to artists like Sun Ra, who's very different. Frank Zappa, Mm-hmm. who wrote things in a very different way, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm very influenced by that. And I just, I love new jazz and I love the movement of electronic, uh, music in jazz and the lo-fi movement, things like that, uh, that I really think just kind of give a good vibe. I'm very much into like vibes and energy in music rather than just only being technically perfect or sure. being, 
you know, something that somebody is like, oh, that's a, that's the standard classic of jazz. You know, I want to get kind of out of that zone and just get back to being, you know, music is something to in, enjoy. You know, like you can be technically perfect, but like if nobody's enjoying listening to what you're playing, then I mean, why are you playing it? Sure. And then so for your other project, Big Spooky, is that also in the vein of jazz music or is it just like your kind of solo project or how, do, how so does that work? It's, so Big Spooky kind of started as a duo and it's moved into a solo project. It's, it's acoustic and uh, it kind of started during the pandemic. I picked up guitar going to college to try and pick up chicks and it didn't work um (laughs) but during the pandemic uh, i challenged myself to learn uh like a new song every day Mm -hmm. whether it was new chords or just like a new song to learn um but you know i worked on all kinds of different techniques uh you know i worked on my singing even more because i hadn't sung in a while you know i sing sometimes with honey bear but it's not the main focus Mm -hmm. uh and I had partnered with someone that we were both bored during the pandemic and we started playing different things together. You know, we ended up doing a cover of I Saw a Tiger from the Tiger King because it was big at the time. Okay. You know, sure. and I played like mandolin and banjo and upright bass and, and guitar and like I put all of it together and she did some stuff with it too. And then we sang to it, uh, you know, just out of boredom. And then, you know, it turned into this thing, you know. Like, I don't only listen to jazz. I also love, you know, artists like Father John Misty. You know, I grew up listening to the Black Keys. Uh, You know, my dad had me listen to a lot of classic rock growing up. So I have more than just jazz as my taste. And in Honey Bear, there's not always a place for some of that music to come into play. So Big Spooky is a way for me to explore music that I still love. Uh in that indie alternative kind of folksy range uh, that I can't do in that group, but I can still do on my own. Uh, And I've written some music for that as well, but I haven't done much with it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, still kind of testing them out. Sometimes I'll go play in parts just to like test things out or test new music and put a new set together, things like that. So, you know, Big Spooky's kind of, it's, it, it grew out of boredom, but it's something that I still, do care about awesome so uh what are a couple of like the really standout moments in your music career that you kind of always think about um and that kind of inspire you or something that happened that kind of really kind of set the tone for where you wanted to go so i think one of the biggest ones was when i was in college i got the opportunity being a part of a collegiate orchestra to go on an international tour and we went to Palestine, Israel for a couple weeks. Cool. And being able to go to another country like that and perform for an international audience, uh, it, it blew my mind. You know, like if I had gone into law, I don't know that I would have had the opportunity to do something like that. Or mm-hmm. if I had become a doctor or if I had just, you know, given up on music to, you know, focus on academics and purely on a career, you know, what would have happened Right. If I hadn't done it. So I think about that a lot because I think it's a good opportunity for people for traveling. And then when I was a senior in college, I had a horn band that played funk covers of popular songs. And we won a battle of the bands. So we opened for the artist Chitty Bang. Oh, cool. Um, and that was also a huge opportunity for, you know, it was a big, it was a big crowd of peers, you know, and it was college. Sure. 
but I mean, like I, you know, I arranged almost all of those songs that we played and, you know, like it was, it was people purely enjoying music. So I think of that, uh, I think of that a lot. That was a big, that was a big, big fun event for me as a musician. And then, I mean, really anytime I get to go play with Honey Bear out live, I love doing it. I love playing that music and I love vibing with those guys, you know, so it's a lot of fun uh, playing with them. Very cool. Um, so uh, I want to give you the opportunity to put out uh, some of your plugs, like anywhere or any links or any websites that you uh, think people should go to or wherever they can find you. So uh, why don't you do some of that? Yeah. Uh, so you can find Honey Bear. We have a Facebook page, which is at Honey Bear Jazz. And you can also find us on Instagram, which is at Honey Bear Jazz as well. Uh, I post pretty often when we have uh, actual gigs and such, or when we get new stuff, you know, I posted about us having stickers finally that we were going to be giving out at shows, you know, right when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, there's lots of stickers and stuff and things like that. So I post whenever we got that. And we do have some test recordings on there as well. Things that we just kind of recorded uh, for fun from live stuff, you know, nothing like professionally produced. Uh, and I'm still working on making socials for, uh, big spooky, but I mean, if you look for big spooky, you're going to find it at some point, it'll be there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honey bear's got all that stuff out there already. You can check it out. There's some small test recordings and hopefully with the originals that we've written and have worked on before, we'll probably try and put out I mean, hopefully an EP soon enough. Very cool. Uh, so I always like to give the person that I interview the last word. So pretty much just a message that you kind of want to just put out there. Yeah. Uh, so instead of talking about groups, I want to talk about like music ed. Like, I mean, if you listen to this and you get anything out of this, like give money to your music communities, not just like live musicians and bands and shows, but like find a school and maybe like you have an old instrument donate it to that school because like not every kid can afford an instrument i know that i couldn't afford the nicest instruments until you know i started working in college my butt off to start affording stuff but like Mm -hmm. give what you can to schools you know help them because there's going to be some kid that has you know a family that needs some money or maybe they'll be like mine and they just can't afford some things you know and it could be a huge changer for them and maybe that kid's going to grow up to go get to travel to Spain in college because they were in the top group because some person <laughs> gave a trumpet to the school that they needed, you know? So, I mean, support, you know, your music education, support the arts, you know? Like, I mean, we, during this pandemic, especially people are watching, you know, streamed concerts, Netflix, Hulu, YouTube constantly, you know, that those musicians didn't get there for free. You know, a lot of them have to pay to get mm-hmm. onto some stuff. So support everybody, support the arts and support, especially music education for the young and little ones.